Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with our guest, nutritional psychologist, Dr. Uma Nadu. Dr. Nadu, how are you, my friend? I am wonderful. Thanks so much for, for hosting me. It is my pleasure. I have very much been looking forward to this conversation. Okay. As, as many of the Unbroken Nation, this audience knows, um, over the years, I've battled with my own issues around food and gut health and recognizing the impact and the role that it plays on our lives. And when I came across you and your information, your book, all the amazing podcasts you've been on, I was like, please, we have to have her on the show because this is going to change people's lives if they're willing to pay attention. And so first and foremost, I would love if you would just define for us what exactly is a nutritional psychologist. And so a nutritional psychiatrist is someone who has trained in psychiatry. Um, it's a field that I'm very much pioneering. And I will say that what I bring to it is a combination of um, studying the culinary arts, studying nutrition, because as doctors, we just simply don't get enough nutrition education, maybe a class, maybe a lecture, um, but most schools really don't have enough training as well as my training in psychiatry. So nutritional psychiatry is use of healthy whole foods and nutrients based on the scientific evidence to improve your mental well-being. It does not exclude the necessary use of medications or therapy. Therapy is a very big part of what I believe is improving mental health. And in certain cases, medications are necessary. Um, so it really is meant to work in a, a collaborative way with any other form of treatment that a person is undergoing. We'll be right back to the show, my friend, but I wanted to let you know about our brand new podcast community for Think Unbroken podcast. I know that for so many trauma survivors like myself, for the longest time, I felt alone, like nobody got it, nobody understood, and that I was just going to have to figure this out on my own. But that's not true. And the reason why we created our brand new Think Unbroken Academy podcast community is so that we can bring all the members of the Unbroken Nation together in a place where we can learn, grow, heal, change, and transform our trauma into triumph. I would love to have you come and be a part of the brand new community. Just check out thinkunbrokenacademy.com or click the link in the podcast description. And I cannot wait to see you there, my friend. Again, just head over to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. And until then, be unbroken. Yeah. And, and I think it's so incredible. I mean, the more research that we do, the more we hear things like food is medicine. I remember yeah. I, I read Chris Kesser's book, uh, The Paleo Cure. It changed my life forever. 
because I didn't understand the impact of food and mental well-being. And now looking at it, there's so many correlations between what we are literally putting in our body and the way that we feel. But I'm I'm really curious, like, how did you get into this? Because if you're if you're kind of streamlining and being the forerunner here, um, where did this come from? It's quite fascinating. Uh, so several different things. My personal background culturally just was grew up around a lot of food, love, and family. Um, certainly, uh, that was very imprinted on me. Good food, healthy eating, um, not perfect. None of us is perfect, but certainly that impression. Then there was also the family influence, lots of physicians, doctors, scientists in the family, and that had a strong influence. But one of the things that really happened early on in my career is that I started to make this connection, being someone who loved food, I started to make the connection between what my patients were eating and how they were feeling. And I had a patient early on who, as a very young trainee, um, he, he came in and kind of took off with me, was a little bit upset because I had prescribed Prozac. And he felt that I had caused him to gain weight. Now looking at his medical record online, I could see it wasn't me. And I knew that. But I also noticed I had this super huge, you know, 20 ounce cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, typical of Boston, in his hand. And I said, gee, well, you know, um, uh, tell me what you've got in your coffee. Something intuitively occurred to me, not just to distract him because he was upset, but it, I, I thought, well, this is what he's consuming. Let me ask him a question. It turned out that a few facts, you know, he was consuming more than a quarter cup of highly processed a sugary creamer, plus adding eight teaspoons of sugar, which he didn't even realize, um, taking his coffee, chugging it, and enjoying it. And when I pointed out, we sat down and calculated the empty calories he was consuming, he realized this was something he now had control over simply by knowing the nutrition behind it. So that was powerful. His eyes lit up with that knowledge. And that really, for me, was almost like a light bulb moment because it was he felt he could change, and I realized, well, by simply interpreting something like that to an individual, he could, he could feel empowered. And I realized the value of nutrition and how we were never speaking about it in mental health. Um, and in medical visits, regular primary care and other visits, it was just a checklist type of thing. And I began to ask more. And, you know, part of when I attended my cultural background, I was raised, um, you know, in a family that was sort of holistic, integrated approach to treatment, Ayurvedic practitioners, um, but also mindfulness and that type of thing. So I felt like, why are we just pulling out a prescription pad or, you know, electronically prescribing something? Why aren't we asking more about exercise, everything else, but also food? And so I began to pursue that. The other part that's significant to say, though, is the research around the gut microbiome is more recent. And as that emerged, it really started to show how the gut and brain are connected and it explained the food mood connection. So putting that all together is how I arrived at starting my clinic and beginning this work in a more formal way. It's really beautiful work too, because I think that one of the big misnomers, especially in Western society, is that we have the anticipation that just sitting down to a meal, we should presume that it's healthy. And you kind of find that that's not really the truth. And right. before we get into that, because I have some really interesting questions for you, I'm, I want to first start with 
kind of the correlation between the foods that we are consuming and the detrimental potential ramifications of those foods. And if there are right. certain foods like processed foods, like sugars, like substitutes that can right. lead to depression, anxiety, or um, right. any other ramifications that maybe we're just not aware of and what we should be paying right. attention to. Right. So, you know, there are different nuances in the different mental health conditions, but there are some general things that I think people should know. The thing, though, is most people associate that with their waistline or weight gain or family history of type 2 diabetes. They don't link it to their mental health. And herein mm. is really the power of nutritional psychiatry. It's those highly processed, uh, ultra-processed junk foods, processed foods, fast foods, seed oils, which, um, you know, processed vegetable oils and seed oils, which many fast food restaurants use because it's cheaper. Um, and then, you know, the high fructose corn syrup, is, which is also in many savory foods, you don't even realize it. So it's not just a sugary candy or something that has sugar. It's also other foods. Artificial sweetness is another big one. Um, and so, you know, the wrong types of fats, the, the kind of shelf-stable baked goods that have those fats that are unhealthy for our body. Uh, many of those things, people think, oh, you know, if I do that, if I eat that, I'm going to gain weight. But they also affect your mental health. Here's a quick one. You know, if you're eating lunch meats for um, maybe maybe a what you think is a healthy lunch meat, but um, uh, it, it contains nitrates, that actually drives depression. If you're thinking, oh, you know, Dr. Naidu talked about um, eating yogurt because yogurt has, uh, she talked about blueberries and she talked about yogurt. I'm going to get a blueberry yogurt. Well, a fruited yogurt, a half cup, can have up to eight teaspoons of sugar in it. Mm. So it's not that blueberries or yogurt are not healthy. It's that the fruited yogurts and the way in which they are kind of brought forward through advertising, people think, oh, that's the great option. But the added sugar really knocks away the positive benefits. So have the plain yogurt if you consume dairy and have the blueberries with it, but don't, don't buy the fruited kind. Those are just some simple things that, you know, we don't realize sometimes when we when we shopping or buying our food. What is happening as the body is metabolizing sugar that can lead to depression or anxiety or with nitrates leading to increased levels of depression? Like what is, what is actually happening from a physiological perspective? So one of the mechanisms, a few different mechanisms that are being explored and are being at evolving as we understand nutritional psychiatry, but one of them is oxidative stress and inflammation. Inflammation in the body is really being seen as underlying conditions like depression, anxiety, and even cognitive disorders. So if you think back to just what we're eating, when we're eating a, 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 an unhealthy meal, um, the, the food is processed, the gut and brain are connected. So our digestive tract, we start to chew food, we swallow it, it starts to interact with our, um, with our gut, goes to our stomach, all of that. But it also involves these interaction with the gut microbes. When you are eating healthier foods, those breakdown products of digestion also include positive substances for your body and for your brain. One of those is short-chain fatty acids. But when you're eating the kind of just the fat, you're always in the fast food lane and eating the foods that we know are unhealthy, the breakdown products are more toxic to the body and to mm -hmm. those microbes. And they are, they are toxic metabolites that uh, they, inter they interact with the bad microbes in the gut, right? Because they're good, good microbes and bad microbes. Good microbes are there to cheer us on, 
help us with many bodily functions from sleep and circadian rhythm, which is our internal bottom body clock, hormones, vitamin production, immunity, um, many things, uh, including mental health. So when they are not being nurtured, but their their bad neighbors um, are being nurtured, those bad microbes take over over time and sets up for gut inflammation. Gut inflammation, because there's a single cell layer lining the gut, um, is easily disrupted and gut inflammation, therefore, through the loop and through that system being connected, can lead to brain inflammation. So it really starts, uh, starts there as one of the mechanisms. And I use that example because it touches the oxidative stress, it touches the inflammation, the neuroinflammation. And because we are eating, chewing, and swallowing our food, it's an easier mechanism to understand. One of the things that took me a really long time to connect the dots on is that our gut is effectively and this depends on who you ask, more intelligent than our brain, and that the food that we're putting into our gut matters so much that it really kind of controls everything that happens to us. And for a long time, my diet consisted, and I've shared this, so I, I consisted of fast food 15 to 25 times a week. And I, I found that that holds true for so many people. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the most difficult aspects of talking about nutrition is looking at it from a cost perspective. Yes. How can people navigate, you know, especially right now we're in inflation, mm -hmm. we are dealing with you no know, people getting more money for their jobs, prices are going up and McDonald's is still like a dollar. They're going to sue me one day. I talk shit about McDonald's all the time. I don't care. They're, they're, they're dollar, right? You can go there and feed your whole family for 10 bucks, but if you want healthy options, it's incredibly expensive. So two part question one, can you kind of define what healthy food means? And then two, how can people who are maybe in food deserts be able to get more access to healthy food? That's a great question. Um, you know, the first one is that, um, I think it's a little bit of a, well, let's 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 go to the first the, the, let's do it this in order you know i think that um foods need to be accessible to people and that's that's a given and we know that that's not always the case um many people think that you know you you go to the supermarket and you only should shop the outer aisles as an example and um and I, I apologize. I'm mixing up the questions. Would you mind repeating the that, questions? That's okay. No problem at all. I, I threw two I at you. I should have, should have done one. Don't apologize. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. This got let's start with question one. If you can just simply okay. define your thoughts on what healthy food sure. is. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, so healthy food is, is, you know, thinking back to just eating healthy whole foods, like real food. So think about a simple example I love to give, which is, Eat the orange, you know, the, the, from the peel to everything you eat in that orange, not that you eat the peel, but you can actually zest it into a salad uh, or even uh, zest it into a baked good that you're making um, is, is healthy and has nutrients. Skip the store-bought orange juice. That has no fiber. Um, it has a ton of added sugar. It's not the healthy choice. So I like people to remember that because just think of the whole food versus it being processed, ultra-processed, put into another form. Now, it's I say that, but it's also very hard to avoid processed foods. So I'm saying try a lot of the time to aim for those whole foods. It could even be frozen. Frozen berries in this country, frozen vegetables, as long as they don't have added sauce, 
sodium or sugar, um, that type of thing can actually be a pretty healthy option for you. So I'd like you to, to just think how many times, you know, if I'm going to the fast food restaurant, are there things I can even buy? Can I move from um, a fast food chicken outlet? Can I go get a rotisserie chicken or do a baked chicken in the oven with simple ingredients? I'm not asking you to buy the fanciest spices or herbs. Just, just bake it yourself or get it at a supermarket. It's going to be a better option, the ultra-processed fast food. The, the second thing is there is there are food deserts and there are places that people simply don't have access. But there's also a little bit of a misnomer that we can't afford brain foods on a budget. Mm. And that is because we think, oh, you can only walk the outer perimeter of the supermarket. Certainly the produce aisle is one place I want you to be spending time. Certainly seafood is another option if you consume it. But the center aisles have things like canned salmon, canned mussels, um, canned sardines, really healthy brain foods and inexpensive, canned legumes, canned beans, um, chickpeas is a great example. Just, you know, rinse out the, uh, if you're not using the liquid, it comes in, rinse it out um, and use it uh, for food, um, cook it, add it to salads, whatever it is. These are nutritious, fiber-rich foods that are inexpensive. A bag of beans, a bag of lentils for family can actually last quite some time. So it's good to know that there are other options, not just cookies and, and candy in the center aisles. Then I mentioned the frozen food example. You don't have to get that whole side of wild caught fancy salmon. You can get it canned. Mm. I actually spent some time the other day doing some, some, some research and I went into several dollar stores and I actually found canned salmon. Um, I found uh, a couple of places with canned sardines that were really inexpensive. So even if you, you don't have access to the best supermarket. If you even have places like that where you can get canned beans, um, you know, we're not talking about the extra one with, with sauces, of course, but you might be able to get canned seafood as a better option and as something you can, you can spend a dollar on or just a little bit more. I think that is so incredibly helpful. In, in real time, I am thinking through my buying habits and behaviors mm -hmm. and I, and maybe this is just my own programming and what I think it means to be quote unquote healthy. And I love that you use the terminology misnomer because I, for years have been like, I'm not going to buy cans that can't be healthy. And now thinking this through with you, I'm like, wait a second. So as long as I'm watching the sodium and there's no added preservatives, it's probably, we've been canning stuff for the entirety of our human existence. Why would we Correct. not be able Literally, this is happening I, in real time. <laughs> that, that's correct. But you know, that so this is another point of confusion, right? And I'm so glad you brought that up because, for example, canned green beans or canned vegetables, if you look at them, they, they, they don't look bright and vibrant like you would a fresh vegetable or frozen because you can open a bag of frozen broccoli and it's bright green because it's flash frozen. This is important because those canned vegetables, they're better choice than eating a processed food. It's, it's all on a continuum, mm. but they're not going to be as nutrient dense as that frozen version. But you can get a bag of frozen cauliflower, frozen broccoli for very little money in the, in the frozen section. You don't have to go learn how to peel the, you know, clean the cauliflower and all of that. So with cans, we want to think canned legumes that are not, would not with added sauces or canned different types of canned salmon, uh, anchovies, because those contain the omega-3s, right? the sardines, the mackerel, all of those are rich brain foods. Um, 
But, you know, canned fruit, be a little wary because sometimes they're in fruit juice. And it may be inexpensive for you to just buy an apple if you if you can get hold of one or a banana. And so even with canned foods, you're absolutely right. We've been preserving and canning foods for ages. But even there, the we just want to look a little bit carefully, spend a minute and learn it that way. But it's possible. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think that's super helpful. You know, growing up, a lot of our food did come from storehouses and it was processed cheese, powdered milks. Yeah. Um, I mean, you name it, right? And so yeah. that yeah. that's kind of how I always thought of food. If it's in a can, it's unhealthy. But I love what I'm hearing now and just going, actually, it's an option if you're paying attention, which I think is really powerful. What I'm wondering, you know, you talked about the importance of omega-3s and brain health. Can you kind of distilled down what that means and what is happening mm -hmm. to our brain when we are consuming healthy omega-3s? Um, so, you know, the omega-3s from, from seafood are generally the ones that have the best brain benefit. Now, there are individuals, um, I have to be vegetarian um, and I may not be, I don't, so I can don't consume seafood. And I get my um, plant-based omegas from chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts, and that type of thing. There is a slight difference in the, the short-chain omega-3s called ALA reaching the brain, but I make it up in other ways. So um, sometimes vegetarians can take an algal oil supplement. But for the actual, if you consume seafood, um, these are rich brain foods. They're good for you. They have anti-inflammatory effects on the brain and the body. And remember, I mentioned that inflammation is now being seen in research and shown as an underlying cause. So having those couple of servings a week, um, a couple of times or more a week, um, is super helpful to reduce inflammation in your body, help with that process. So it's just one way that the EPA and DHA can be effective for you. There's, of course, near research around, you know, where the availability of each of those is reaching the brain, et cetera. I'm not going to bore you with that. The bigger principle here is eat the whole foods when you can. These are brain-rich foods. And if you consume seafood, those are good options for you. Is, is the bioavailability the same if you're supplementing versus eating the whole food? So, you know, um, I feel that if people are eating um, eating these foods. They may not need to supplement, but none of us eat a perfect diet. So there is a reason that people may want to supplement. So some of it depends on how they're feeling, whether they have access, whether they're interested. Some people prefer a supplement. Well, I'm still a food first person, but I've also through experience clinically and research-wise understood that, that there are gaps in our nutrition. So it's perfectly fine to supplement, um, you know, in a supplemental form, usually they're engineered towards absorption in your body, et cetera. Doesn't mean that you can't get good nutrient benefits from eating things like whole, whole, um, whole salmon or canned salmon, things like that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think as we're going through this, I'm retracing a lot of my just personal relationship with food and a lot of the personal relationships I see my clients have with food. And this idea that for many of us, especially if we grew up in traumatic households, there's often like food trauma in correlation yes. with the the experiences yes. of our life. And And what I'm wondering is how do people start to build a healthy relationship with food if historically it's been traumatic for them? That's such a great question. You know, um, I think that this is where parts of um, parts of support that individuals can get are often overlooked. This is where therapy 
um, attending a group, having a sense of community, whether it be through a spiritual organization or community-based organization can be so supportive in helping to heal that trauma, um, helping to, you know, rework how you feel around a meal or even sometimes around a certain food that may have had a traumatic memory associated with it. So I think that first and foremost, healing that relationship as best you can and therapy is, is, is one of the best ways to do it. Having awareness, having a supportive in group of individuals, maybe it's not your biological family, maybe some of those members are. It just depends on your individual situation. But one of the things that I've realized through clinical experience and my own research is that when individuals are struggling in their actual relationship with food, it can be harder to then say, oh, you know, eat this for your brain health because they're actually struggling with just even getting the right food or overcoming a really painful association of a certain food. So it's stages of healing. It really is stages of healing. And I think that not everyone has to be assessed to see where they're at and what they can do based on their own individual story. So it's very much a personalized nutritional psychiatry plan. Perhaps some of it may involve work in therapy for a while or other forms of treatment until they can start to heal that and then say, you know, now I'm ready to go on a healthy supermarket um, uh, trip and pick out these foods or order these groceries online because I feel I can. So it, it really is is stages that people have to go through until they they feel they can embrace food in that um, in that healthier way because we want to heal that relationship and have them have a healthier relationship than they did with food. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me in that experience, a lot of it did come through therapy and, and actually a huge jumping that came for me with EMDR. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm thinking in real time, are there simple things, let's say some people, maybe they don't have access to community or they can't afford therapy. Okay. They, you know, we, I'm always trying to just kind of paint the canvas here. Yes. Are, are there anything, any things particularly that people can do on their own to start changing or building a healthy relationship with food after traumatic experiences? I think practicing mindfulness and practicing things like learning, um, you can Google a simple um, uh, relaxation or breathing exercise um, online, right? Or even on your phone and using that to help calm down your system um, be mindful in the moment of, you know, this, this food triggers me. So rather than go down that aisle of the supermarket, can I try this aisle first? So maybe you, you're going to go through the center aisle and you're going to avoid something around the, the seafood or, or, or the meat, Some, something that who knows what that memory may be for you. Maybe start there, you know, start to build relationships with healthier foods. Um, have a mindfulness moment or do a simple breathing exercise in your car or on the train, however you're getting to to buy your food, because that can help center you. It can calm down your um, autonomic 
nervous system, which is an overdrive at that point. Um, even simple things like taking a walk, spending time in, um, in sunlight. Um, you know, 10 minutes of outdoor time in sunlight gives you 90% of your vitamin D. Vitamin D is very healing for things like depression and anxiety. So building in things like that can be very, very overall healing to your body using a more integrated and holistic approach. Um, you know, some people feel more grounded if their feet, their actual feet touch the earth. So that could be something, taking their shoes off, taking a walk outside, um, as long as it's safe and as long as, you know, they, there is a broken glass or something outside. But, you know, just, just feeling grounded, feeling centered. There are many things that people that I suggest, depending on, on who, is, who I'm working with, and these, I think, can all help towards that healing process. That's beautiful. And one of the things I'm wondering about is, you know, we're, we all get triggered. I, I don't think it's avoidable. I, I think that yeah. the idea that it will never sure. happen is, is a non-starter. Sure. One of the things that we know is that people build in autonomic responses and defensive mechanisms and coping mechanisms around being triggered, especially to satiate with food. Right. And you, in my experience, I'm a now recovering gummy bear addict. Um, and I think about this all the time. What if somebody is triggered and they know that when they are in that place, maybe they're in fight, flight, freeze, maybe they're dissociated, maybe who knows what's happening, but they're, they're feeling it in their body and their go-to is something unhealthy because it makes them feel safe, loved, whatever that response is. Is it mindfulness that helps them maybe not go that direction? Are there some other things that they could be doing so that they don't reach for that thing? Because I think subconsciously we kind of know, like, don't do that thing. Don't eat that thing. It makes me feel terrible. But in the moment, mm -hmm. you need to satiate the pain. I completely understand that. And there are different ways to go. And in part, it depends on um, what that food or what that trigger might be. But here, here are some tips that I've worked on with individuals. Um, identify in, in, in when they're in therapy, when they're working with a clinician, or even on their own. Um, if they've identified there are just certain things that trigger them. When they're in a calm space and they're feeling okay, identifying environmental triggers, having healthy options that pair up with the unhealthy options. So here's one. Say they always have two tubs of ice cream. Um, in the fridge, uh, in the freezer, I should say. And that's their go-to food because guess what? If they get triggered, they know that's going to help comfort them. My suggestion, and I did this once with someone, is I taught them to make a, an ice cream from whole bananas. And it's in chapter 11 of This Is Your Brain on Food. It has like two or three ingredients. You can even make a chocolate flavor with brain-healthy um, cacao, uh, natural cacao powder. And that's, that has cacao flavonols, great for your brain. And here's what I kind of work with them to do. Have both available in, in your freezer. And try to test, if you can, get by with less of a scoop of the unhealthy ice cream, the ones that's highly sugared, highly processed, and one scoop of the alternative as one way to start to switch that trigger, but also start to train yourself that there's more than one option. And if they can do it over time, what I try to help them do is now we're only going to make those, those, those ice creams with made with fresh fruit or made with frozen fruit, whatever it is that are better than a highly processed, 
highly sugared, right? Because you can control a drop of honey in the banana ice cream that you make versus um, a ton of added sugar in the ice cream. So that's one way to do it. Mindfulness has worked with people, but it all depends on working with them on how they can um, respond. Because I agree with you. You make an excellent point. We can't actually change the trigger. It's going to continue happening. It's, but we can change the response to the trigger. And that's where environment and changing our alternatives can make a difference as well. That makes a ton of sense. And you said something that really made me pause for a moment. And you said you, people have to train themselves. How much of in those moments of being triggered and moving towards that stuff is behavioral? Like, and is it, please go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, so, so it is, it, it's, it's, so, you know, as a psychiatrist, I'm always so aware that when someone is in the height of a panic attack, you never say calm down, right? It, it's like, yeah. you don't, that it, because you understand over time, it just, you may be trying to comfort them, but it's like the wrong thing to say. Well, I shouldn't say wrong. That's a, that's a strong term, but it sometimes can be worse for an individual. Right. In a similar, when I use the word train, I think I use it loosely. It's in that moment, you may not, you may be so triggered that you're just going to go for the ice cream, right? What I am suggesting is it, when you, when you're feeling okay, have these alternatives in your, in your, in your freezer, your cabinet, so that you have the choice when you're triggered, because over time, the part you can train is, okay, now I have chocolate ice cream and I have banana chocolate ice cream. I know that I'm very used to, to calming myself um, with this high processed chocolate ice cream. Can I have a scoop of each? Can I just try in this moment, since it's both available right in front of me, to try both? And can I train myself over time that, hey, this doesn't taste so bad. And I can actually eat that. So you're slowly working with yourself. You're giving yourself space. You're giving yourself grace to allow yourself to explore that. It's not as though, you know, it's going to work immediately, but it may work over time if you're open to it and you truly want to find a solution. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's, it's preparedness in a sense, because knowing yeah. ultimately it's probably going to show up, right? And right. it's just, it's being prepared for that moment. And one of the things that I especially appreciate about you and the way that you have these conversations is that you're neither dogmatic about anything particular nor, or I should say, and you are very like diet agnostic, which I, I think is really important, especially in the world that we live in now where everyone's like, be carnivore, be vegan, be paleo, be this, be that. And and what I always hear from you is like, no, no, do what feels good for your body, eat and, and exist in a way that makes sense for yep. you and your brain. And, and, and that one's, that makes me want to come back and close a loop on something. We talked about processed food leading this place of being having inflammatory processes and properties. Are there any superfoods that are antioxidants and anti-inflammatory that maybe instead of being dogmatic and saying, stop eating all the things always forever, go, can we add mm -hmm. this food to start creating change? Um, so things like uh, simple food groups that, that really start to impact change, that are simple to start to incorporate are things like so, gut, so I'm going to say gut-friendly foods because by eating gut-friendly foods, you're taking care of those good microbes, you're nurturing them, they will nurture you back is, is the short 
the short way to think about it. Prebiotic foods, garlic leeks, onions, bananas, oats, so many foods. I list them all um, in the book. Um, but eating fermented foods, learning, training yourself to learn to, to enjoy and appreciate some fermented foods, kimchi, kefir, kombucha, whichever one appeals to you. These show reduction of inflammation in very recent research done about a year ago now um, out of Stanford University. So good to know that we've now proven this and it can help to reduce inflammation in the body. But it's also thinking um, thinking about fiber-rich foods. Now, this is an easy one because it's a really big category. You can get fiber from vegetables, berries, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, healthy whole grains. The fiber, again, nurtures the gut. All of these foods are naturally antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. The plant foods, so the veggies and the berries, they all have these polyphenols which interact with the microbes and are super helpful. So rather than um, think about this is the one food I can have, I want you to think about, you know, 80% of the time, can I start to include more of these foods in my diet? How easy is it for me to add a different more colors of veggies and, and fruit to my, my diet, or textures. These are actually just naturally being, bringing in nutrients to what you're eating. And an untapped resource is spices. Spices are inexpensive, um, salt-free, sugar-free, literally calorie-free, because I just want you to buy the regular spice, no blend. Adding them in can be very powerful, not only to up the flavor of your food, but they have some great brain benefits. So those are some ways to to get to get started. You know, blueberries I definitely think are helpful. Turmeric with a pinch of black pepper, um, but I want you to start picking. You know, uh, going for those sulfurophane-rich veggies, the cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage all pretty inexpensive um, uh, that you can uh, uh, that you can get in the supermarket um, fresh or frozen and start to incorporate in your diet when when you're doing this like I think in my own I'll, I'll just share my own personal journey going through and adding healthy foods watching myself go from 350 pounds to 215 was this really incredible shift. And it wasn't just a shift physically. And I, I think that's one of the the misnomers and disconnects people have about putting healthy and good food in your body. It was the mental and emotional capacity that I had just to navigate the world. I found myself being triggered less. I found myself yeah. being hypervigilant less. I found myself in, in lots of different situations as a, as a person that has an ACE score of 10, it's been very difficult for me to navigate the world. And I found like just paying attention to the little things that I put in my mm -hmm. body just makes a huge difference. Cause there's some foods that you name, like my body will not process. Like if you give me kale, right. I might as well be on the ground crying right. for the next four hours. Right. Right. I'm, you, you, I'm so glad you brought up that point because here's the thing, you know, when we, when we talk about fiber-rich foods, you may have to help your gut heal. You may be in a different stage of gut healing or even have a different condition. You may have some IBS, IBC, uh, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, something where, you know, fiber-rich foods are going to upset you. So there may be, that's why these plans have to be so intensely personalized for individuals. And we have to, I've had um, a mother and daughter 
respond to the exact same healthy food. They're biologically related, had opposite responses. So the gut microbiome is like a thumbprint. And therefore, um, these, these, uh, these are general suggestions, but they do have to be fine-tuned to, to you. Yeah. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense because there's what, almost 8 billion people on planet earth and nobody has the same thumbprint. And that's why I always think it's really interesting when we have conversations about food, it's like, pay attention to your body, you know, maybe keep a food journal, maybe have conversation with a psychologist or a therapist who can help you understand, especially if you're dissociated. Cause I remember I would just eat these crazy foods. I would feel terrible, but like, this is fine. And you know, it's like, what happens is when you start to bring more awareness to it, you recognize that's not necessarily true. But I think a big part of what happened for me was looking at understanding the scope of marketing now, especially, but, you know, rewind 15, 20 years ago, everything was quote unquote healthy, right? We went through this series of here's all these protein bars, here's all these shakes, here's all this and all that. And I think even now you go and look at some of the got milk campaigns that are around town and, and there's this slogan on one that's on a billboard in my city that says hydrates better than water. And, and I would just love to know your thoughts about the marketing that's happening around food, not only just now, but historically and how we can bring more awareness to this. Yeah, that, that is, it's, it's so helpful for, for people to be able to have someone interpret information from them. And I want to say this with absolute respect, because when you see something like you think, oh my God, I'm, I'm drinking all this water. Let me throw it out. Let me, and I've had individuals, um, you know, make these changes in response to something they read or see on television, uh, in a media clip or whatever it might be. Here, here's the problem though. You know, we are surrounded by, uh, diet dilemmas with food wars. Mm-hmm. And it would be hard for me as a nutritional biologist to say, you know, oh, sure. Drink all that milk and skip the water because. And if you do consume dairy, the right type of dairy could work for you. There are also many people in the world who are lactose intolerant. So dairy can be one of those foods that is, we have to assess whether it works for you and when it does, it can work great for people and be a great, healthy, nutritious food. But A, they, they might they want to know that they do consume it. And B, I want to ask them to, to get more responsible sources of it because then it's going to have um, it's going to be a healthier version of what just the regular supermarket milk. But no, you know, water is the most hydrating part of what we should be doing. Hydration is so impactful in terms of lowering anxiety. I've seen people who are dehydrated have a panic attack. Um, you know, depression can be associated with being uh, constantly dehydrated. So it would be really hard for me to believe that one fact about looking at what evidence this company provided. Now, that being said, when we see ads, we just need to take a moment and try to find out a little bit more um, before we just believe it and change paths to to a certain food, certain superfood, um, or a certain ad. I mentioned the yogurt earlier. That's that's one to think about as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, there's so many hidden things in our foods. I, I recall you saying that there are over 200 different names for yes. sugar. Did I, did I write that correct. down correctly? That is correct. And in fact, a list that I looked at recently said it was up to 250 or more Holy other crap. names for sugar on food labels. So 
A great one that I quote all the time is brown rice syrup because people think of brown rice as a healthy alternative to just regular white rice. And yet brown rice syrup is just simply sugar. So um, I had no idea. Having that awareness line and knowing that um, food labels are very tricky because you can, the first five ingredients may be other names for sugar and you don't realize it. So just, just, you know, another tip, um, our food labels are in pounds, uh, I'm sorry, our recipes in the United States are standardized to pounds and ounces. So any cookbook, any recipe that you see, if it's based in the United States will be in pounds and ounces, but our food labels are grams. So many people cannot interpret that. So it helps to know that four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. And if you start to convert that way, you realize that you might be drinking coffee at a coffee store that says non-fat, low-fat, whatever. But if you actually look at the app and look at the grams of sugar, it may be many more grams of sugar than you realize. But if you convert it to teaspoons, you think, well, should I really be putting 10 teaspoons of sugar in something? You know, probably not. If you're either making it at home or just getting a cup of regular black coffee, uh, would you be adding 10 teaspoons of sugar? So those little things on the go um, or when you're shopping or when you're buying food become important. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like sugar in, and this is just my opinion, and I am not a doctor, I'm not a scientist nor a nutritionist, and I do not intend to be one, but I have often thought to myself, like sugar is probably, if not the most detrimental, probably one of the most detrimental things that we could be putting in our human body. Like, does that hold up for you? So... There are forms, um, yes, so sugar is definitely a substance that we need to consume as part of our daily lives, but the form of sugar becomes important because the high fructose corn syrup, the simply, uh, the, you know, the, the, the sugar that is going to impact ultimately your neurons is important. And therefore, sugar is not the best food for your brain health. But we have to understand that we consume sugar in many different forms all of the time, often naturally and through foods that we're eating like fruit. So it's balancing them up. If you cannot lean into the candy and the chocolates and the cookies and the, the sugary donuts and move toward a healthier norm of fruit, berries, um, you know, the banana ice cream with two ingredients, that type of stuff. If you move yourself along that continuum, you're going to be moving in a healthier direction. It's very hard to say, um, you know, give up everything at once. And I think that's where these extreme diets really don't work for people. Um, so if you can, and, and I'm not talking about elimination, you can eliminate something and affected mental health. They often do that with someone if I suspect something could be triggering a symptom. And then by, by eliminating, we know actually no difference. So we continue eating it, maybe we eat a healthier version of it. Um, so short-term elimination pieces are completely fine. I just don't like people to give up entire food groups because unless they have an allergy or tolerance, this is where I see a boomerang effect. They give it up for a month and then the next month they're eating, that's all they can eat. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, you yeah, know, there. <laughs> yeah, the pizza purpose for anyone yeah. of us, right? Totally. I, I mean, at one point I had given up cashews and I was, it had been a couple of months and I went to the store and there was this big, beautiful um, jar of cashews. I was like, I want cashews. Like, I ate the whole thing in like one day. 
you know? And so it's like, I, I do think being dogmatic is really, really dangerous. And and so I personally try to steer away from that. And I love what you just said, because it makes so much sense to me. Are there any logical reasons to have things like alcohol, tobacco, um, cannabis, CBD in our diets? So, you know, um, there's so many there plus, pluses and minuses for almost everything, right? And I think the the one I take probably the strongest downset because it's so, well, it also depends on the opinion and it depends on whom you ask. Because someone could say alcohol equals cigarettes, someone else could say, and, and so let me share my position. Please. I think that we have a ton, with ton of evidence around cigarette smoke. We have a ton of evidence from, um, you know, the uh, Lung Cancer Association, other diseases, because smoking doesn't just affect lung cancer, it affects other, um, let's say, the other parts of your bodily function, and smoking can actually lead to other forms of cancer, not just lung. So as a physician, first and foremost, I know we have a lot of evidence about that. Um, I think that as a psychiatrist, I've seen that there's evolving research around CBD, cannabis, psychedelics. And I think that remains to be watched and we review the research. It's not my area of specialty. I really don't feel I can offer great guidance on that. But I think, let's see what the research shows. You know, um, we have to follow the evidence. We have to follow how people are doing. Where I think people get into a little bit of struggle with this is if it's um, become legalized uh, in a certain state, recreational use can still be, because I've seen this in the emergency rooms when, I, when I've done shifts, um, you know, it can still be laced with something and a person may think they're simply uh, using cannabis or smoking a joint, but actually it can lead to devastating changes in their mental status. So note to self, it's just something to be cautious about and the research is evolving. When it comes to alcohol, I go back to that, um, you know, try not to be dogmatic and say, look, if you consume alcohol, do it responsibly. Clean cocktails, you know, not all the added sugars, simple syrup, some simple syrup is simply sugar. So, you know, those mixed drinks um, that, that you're having, you may just want to switch it out with a clean cocktail and always switch out with a glass of water to hydrate yourself. Red wine um, has some, you know, has some proven benefits. So have a glass of red wine. I'm not saying give it up. Just drink responsibly if you do and move towards clean cocktails. And if you're struggling a little bit, as many people have during COVID, then then reach out for help. Yeah, it's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think ultimately there are so many different tools here. There's so much great work that you've done. Obviously in 45 minutes, we can't give them a lifetime of expertise, but before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find out more about you and especially your book? Thank you so much. Um, so please um, meet me on my website, subscribe to my newsletter where you get all the information and everything I'm up to. That's umanaidumd.com. Follow me on social. That's at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I doo we're always posting updated research updated information just to share share with everyone about where we are in nutritional psychiatry my book is available anywhere books are sold it's called this is your brain on food i'm excited and blessed to say it's going to have its second anniversary in a few days Congratulations. and it's still good thank you and it's still going strong and i'm really honored that people have found benefit from it i can only hope and pray that they continue to because it really signifies my mission 
um, in terms of helping people in, in, in with their mental health through food. Um, and yeah, so I hope, I hope you'll check it out. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And we'll put all those links in the show notes for the audience. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? You know, I was thinking about this and I feel that the more times that I am tapped into an inner sense of bliss, which comes sort of from my Hindu roots and that I'm aligned with the mission is, is the way that I can describe being unbroken. Because if I can tune in to where my mission is, I can find ways to uh, to feel unbroken. Mm, beautifully said. I actually resonate with that a ton. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. We'll be right back to the show, my friend, but I wanted to let you know about our brand new podcast community for Think Unbroken Podcast. I know that for so many trauma survivors like myself, for the longest time, I felt alone, like nobody got it, nobody understood, and that I was just going to have to figure this out on my own. But that's not true. And the reason why we created our brand new Think Unbroken Academy podcast community is so that we can bring all the members of the Unbroken Nation together in a place where we can learn, grow, heal, change, and transform our trauma into triumph. I would love to have you come and be a part of the brand new community. Just check out thinkunbrokenacademy.com or click the link in the podcast description. And I cannot wait to see you there, my friend. Again, just head over to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. And until then, be unbroken. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me 
and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.